expand your mind and enrich your world. It's time for another outstanding podcast from ICRT. Hello and welcome to another podcast edition of Taiwan Talk. I'm Keith Benconi. Board games are enjoying something of a boom in popularity in Taiwan, and venues to play these games seem to be popping up everywhere. The LA Times reports that in just the last five years, about 50 game cafes have opened in the Taipei area, with another 50 opening elsewhere around the island. Today in the show, we're talking to a company that's had a hand in this growth. For more than 10 years, Swan Pan Asia has been bringing foreign board games to Taiwan and Taiwanese games to the world. But as we're about to hear, when you're working with board games, there's more to it than your standard import-export business. To tell us exactly what that is and what's behind the growth of the industry as a whole, I made a trip to the company's warehouse in Xindian to speak to one of its co-founders, German expat Johannes Goethe. Here's our conversation. Johannes Goethe, thanks so much for uh, speaking with me today. Uh, well, it's the honor is on my side. So the kind of games that we're talking about, maybe not everybody would be familiar with. Most people know about Monopoly or uh, Stratego, something like that. Can you give us some kind of a sense? A lot of these games are from Europe. A lot of these games are from America. W- w- give us a sense of what kind of games we're talking about here. What kind of games? Well, there are reaction games, there are memory games, there are um, lie, uh, tile-laying games, there are strategic games, there are... It's just stupid games, any kind of games you can play on the table or even without table, with cards or without cards. Uh, right, so that's uh, a little bit of everything, something for everybody. And uh, you started this company uh, more than 10 years ago. And when you started, there was really no market at all in Taiwan for this kind of game. Is that right? I mean, what were, what were you seeing here when you first started? I was seeing that there were some games being used as teaching material for children or for kindergartens. And there were some traditional games like Go or Mayong, but there were no new-styled games with a, with beautiful illustrations, with nice art design, and with different themes to play. And so I was thinking Taiwan was lacking something, and I was remembering when I was a child, we played so many different games, and it was so much fun. I was thinking that there would be probably a big market for these games in Taiwan. And and so over the last 10 years, uh, I guess you were right, because, I mean, it really has become a lot more popular. Uh, you know, there's more and more game shops every year. I think what's interesting about Taiwan is, uh, in the U.S., maybe you would go to a friend's house to play games, or, or maybe even to, uh, you know, some game stores would host game days. But in Taiwan, you actually have coffee shops that are specifically there to give you a place to play games, to rent games. You don't even need to own games yourself, and you can still be a gamer in Taiwan. So how has this uh, how has this kind of market developed? How did that come about? Yes, that was a good point. You say in the U.S. you would go to a friend's house, but this is nearly impossible in Taiwan because the students here are living at so small apartments that there won't be space for a, a gaming table Maybe now it has changed, but 10 years ago, students were quite um, limited in their space. So they will meet outside. They will look for the so-called third space to meet with friends, normally for eating or just chatting. But later they added the gaming. And this was quite important that gaming become part of their life after university or became part of families, mothers playing with their children. 
And at the other hand, there were people who recognized this need of these peoples, of students and of families, and they started to uh, run game coffee shops. And I think this was one of the most important reasons that there were people who were into the games, they were interested in the games, not as a business, but as their life fulfillment, and they opened game coffee shops. Mm. If there were only businessmen, they probably would have stopped this after three months because <laughs> turnover is quite slow. <laughs> But there were no businessmen. <laughs> there were gamers who wanted to do this as their life fulfillment. And the number of coffee shops doubled every year. It started with one, two, four, eight, sixteen, thirty-two, and we have, I think, 120 game stores all over, all over Taiwan now maybe even more. And uh, yeah, so you were talking a second ago about how, you know, some of the early adopters of games, do you think that these uh, coffee shops have uh, helped expose people to new games that maybe they wouldn't have been willing to try uh, without the coffee shops? Yes, exactly. That's that's the point. If there were only some gaming areas in department stores, it would not have developed into what it is today. We have watched big toy companies developing their game market in Taiwan and uh, well, I dare to say that there was no development at all. So when you started your company, I mean, you were one of the first companies in Taiwan to really have a wide selection of games and uh, make it widely available. Uh, and uh, I, one of the, we were talking before the interview and you told me that one of the first ways that uh, you kind of introduced these games was to make them available in your coffee shop. Uh, you, you, your wife has a coffee shop, and you made some of these games available in your coffee shop. So uh, tell me about that. How, w was that successful right from the start? Did that catch on? At that time, it was successful because we did not expect any business at the beginning. And still, there were people playing first, playing. This was a success. And also buying, uh, sometimes, uh, maybe once a week. And <laughs> um, later, we tried to make it more public by participating at trade fairs. So probably no one would have thought that games could appear at the Taipei International Book Exhibition, but we were the first to go there. And after that, so many people came to our coffee shop because they, yes, they did not expect the games to be at the book fair. And then they played and they were fascinated. They were addicted and they wanted to have more. <laughs> and they came to our coffee shop and played and bought even more games. So uh, outside of these trade fairs, uh, I get the impression that a lot of what you were focusing on is working with these coffee shops and helping them grow. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about that? Yes. Uh, one day, someone who, is, who was running a, a normal coffee shop came up and said, it's, it's so boring in my coffee shop. I want to add something. I want to not to sell just coffee for the rest of my life. And then we played Carcassonne and he was fascinated. And later he created a company called Carcar City because Carcassonne was his first game. And now he has, I think, eight stores in Taipei and probably wants to open some other stores at other cities in Taiwan. Later, other people saw this and some of them also wanted to do a game coffee shop. Others wanted to open a game store without serving food or drinks. Others 
uh, opened game classes for children during the week or at the weekend or during vacation. Others opened internet stores for selling games. So there are all kind of, of selling mechanisms came one year after the other. A lot of people have, you know, made import-export kind of businesses in Taiwan. Would you say that there's something different about running an import-export uh, business that focuses specifically on games? Are, are, are there a different set of challenges or, or a different set of, uh, you know, tasks that you need to take on? I would say most businessmen won't do this because the turnover is too slow. You order the games, it takes uh, several weeks for them to arrive, then it takes several weeks to promote them. You must explain the product to the consumers. If you sell food, you, you won't need to explain it, or furniture, or cars. Uh, well, cars, some cars need to be explained. But normally, people know what they want to buy before you explain it to them, if they buy a car or, or furniture. If you buy a game, you want to play it. To play one game normally takes 30 minutes, one hour, and maybe they want to play it once more. And so to explain one game to one family needs one hour. To explain it to 100 family takes 100 hours. Uh, no businessman is so crazy to invest in such a time-investing uh, business. Now as more and more people are playing games, it starts to be a business after 12 years. <laughs> Uh, which is a very long time to start up a business, a company. <laughs> and I think that, so maybe part of the story of uh, why this has gotten so successful is because the game shops, you know, have, can can make those relationships with new players and uh, you have somebody there who can explain the new games to you. And so that's part of how, you know, Taiwan has gotten to know these games a little bit better. Do you think, do you think that's right? Yes, yes, that's, that's correct. Without the help of all these game hosts in all these game stores, the market wouldn't have grown so fast and, well, fast is a relative, <laughs> or it would, would be different. Maybe only some game titles would be available now. So we try, and we always try to be very friendly <laughs> to all these retailers. Actually, at the beginning of all this, we had to finance them. They had no money. They just had their interest into this hobby and they wanted to make it into their profession. But they told us we have no money to buy so many games. So we just put our warehouse stuff into their stores. <laughs> they had something to show to the people. They had something to sell to the people. And for the first five years, it was okay. But then the pressure for us was too big because there were more and more game stores. It was okay for us to to financially support about 16 game stores or 20 in the first five years, but then the number doubled and doubled. So when you import these games, uh, I know that at first a lot of the games were uh, just in the original language, either English or, or German, but uh, now you're actually working to publish them in, in Chinese. Is that right? That's correct. Uh, simplified Chinese, traditional Chinese, and last year we even started to publish in Thai and in English for some Southeast Asian countries. And, you know, the, the, the way that people write instructions for a game, that's a very specific way to write. Are, are, would you say that there's any uh, special challenges for these translators uh, to make this work uh, that maybe translators of other things wouldn't, wouldn't have? Well, there are probably at least two types of translators. The gamers, they translate very short. They just need to have the basic information. And then maybe people who studied literature and translated very correctly, but no one understands. 
so we still need my wife <laughs> to connect uh, both of them. So it's it's a matter of having that balance between explaining the rules, but also giving some flavor, giving making it interesting. Right. Yes. You you must translate all the rules. There's a must, but still it must read fluently and it must be interesting enough mm-hmm. for people to read. Well, actually not, because most people won't read the rules. They just want you to add the rules in Chinese to the game. But as far as I know, maybe only 10% of customers will read the rules because they go to the game stores to have the game explained. And and another thing that your business uh, has been working on uh, over the last couple of years is uh, helping Taiwanese game designers publish their games and uh, you know find the market abroad, ship their games abroad. Would you say that there's more and more board game designers in Taiwan? Has that been something that's been gaining in popularity? Yes, that's correct. Uh, similar to the coffee shops, game coffee shops, the number of board game designers in Taiwan is doubling every year. Do you notice anything distinctive about the games that are coming out of Taiwan? Do, do they have a different feel from games that are coming out of other countries? There are some games using animation illustrations or... Like anime? Like anime or some political themes, and they will have these caricatures of politicians in Taiwan uh, on the game box, on the cards, and these are, of course, very Taiwan distinctive, and they won't work at other countries because it's too special. But the game system of the games might work with other political parties in other countries of the world. Oh, so you could just stick President Obama on it and it'll, the game itself will still work. So that's what, what we have to do then. So we must find out which of these games from Taiwanese designers might fit to which other market in which country of the world. And we also must find the right publisher. There are maybe 100 or more publishers in Germany and uh, probably also 100 or more publishers in the States and all of them have different portfolios. So right now I know very well who wants to publish what. (laughs) And I can tell the designers directly, I will take this game to that publisher and hope that he will like it or not. Besides that, we also try to be present at different trade shows all over the world. So we go to Japan three times a year to local board game markets. We go to Korea one or two times a year. We go to Hong Kong, Hong Kong Book Fair, Book Exhibition. We are in China, it's some local gamers' conventions. We are also at Germany, at the world's biggest game convention in October in Essen. We also have been to the States, Gen Con and Origins, but it's very hard to get into the, into the U.S. market. So you were telling me that uh, in Taiwan, uh, there's a little bit more of a focus on, on, on dark humor. Uh, what do you mean by that? What kind of How does dark humor enter into a game? For example, there's this game of always over time working um okay so you're showing me a game right now that's actually it's about working that's a pretty unusual uh theme for a game yeah it's about unhealthy working Taiwanese people tend to do overwork time uh no matter how effective it is (laughs) and this game is about this yes you get a job a duty and you have to do it if you work overnight you can do it faster, but your liver will get a damage point. <laughs> and uh, if you have 10 damage points, you need an operation. So you need to take a rest. Uh, but later you can resume work again. It's a very Taiwanese joke. <laughs> a v- very Taiwanese joke. And that's what I thought was black humor, too. <laughs>
There's another game which is criticizing the producers of food. I don't know if you have heard about the scandals in China and in Taiwan and this other game is about these scandals. You try to make food and mix in some things which should not be in there and you hope that you won't be <laughs> caught by the inspectors. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> that's also political incorrect but still funny to play. <laughs> Very topical humor in Taiwan. So as you look at these uh, gaming coffee shops in Taiwan, do you think that this is a, a phenomenon that's around to stay? Or do you think that as people get more used to the idea of uh, games, they might think, okay, I can just do this at my home. I don't necessarily uh, need these coffee shops anymore. Both. So they will continue to stay. And people also will buy more and more games and take them at their homes. And another important development probably will be the mass market. Right now we have been addressed by hypermarkets or by, by 7-Eleven or, or Family Mart. And this will probably be the next step of marketing games via these bigger distribution channels. But not all kind of games, probably only the simple games uh, for the mass market. We've been speaking to Johannes Gut. Uh, Johannes, thank you so much for speaking with us today. Thank you. To learn more about Swan Pan Asia, check them out at the website swanpanasia.com. That's our show for today. As always, we'd love to hear what you thought of the program. You can leave us a comment on our Facebook page or rate and review Taiwan Talk on iTunes. You can also leave a comment on the ICRT blog, where we've posted some links to articles about games in Taiwan. Thanks for listening. For ICRT, I'm Keith Manconi.